My League podcast. We're here on a Sunday night. Going to talk about some lighter topics tonight for your listening pleasure. <laughs> if you are a Bills fan here, we're sorry about our tweet the other night. Yeah, we uh, not, not I, really. I think we're it's not. funny. <laughs> if you're mad online, if you're mad on the internet right now, just stop. Or continue and tag us and have a conversation. I love we that. We will slap you down. I love that he was trying to get at us for uh, facts and stuff. I think it's interesting because, honestly, like all it took was just looking at the, at the context of what we were saying. And it makes sense. And so I just think, like, you know, if, if you're online, especially on Twitter, that's a great opportunity for you to engage with us. I think that when you do engage... With anybody online, if you want to actually have a real conversation or communicate actual thoughts, like you don't have to be aggressive or mean. And I think that's exactly what this is for. I think a lot of people are in fantasy leagues where they feel like the only people that they can actually talk to are going to make them feel dumb for their thoughts or make them feel insecure for what they believe is a good guess. I remember even last year, I offered Sammy Watkins for Devontae Parker. Do you remember this? I offered Sammy Watkins yeah. for Devontae Parker before the season even started. And the only thing anyone said to me was, is there something you know about Devontae that we don't? And I was like, I don't know. I just have a hunch. And sometimes in leagues like this, you just have a hunch and you just have a gut feeling about a player and about a situation. And and we want to be a podcast for you because this is your league. It's your league. It's your players. We want to be a podcast for you to be able to have these conversations about things in an environment where you don't feel like, okay, I can't pull the trigger because no one's going to believe me in this moment. And so if you're on Twitter, ask the questions, who should I draft? Who should I trade? Who should I keep? Who should I get rid of? What should I do if I want Devonte Parker and no one thinks that it's a good call? We can be the people to have that conversation with. And so please go to our, in, our uh, Twitter account, which is at IML fantasy. Is that what oh, it is? Oh, man. I, IML podcast? Man. I follow oh. it. I just type in in my oh. league is what I do. But a dagger. <laughs> a a dagger. Well. Just molten hot. That was a great uh, at IML oh. podcast. At IML podcast. <laughs> We've been down this road. Multiple times. But at yes. IML podcast. Follow us. Yes. Have conversations with us. And yes. That's the start of our show. <laughs> unless unless you're an angry Bills fan who doesn't understand fantasy football, then maybe don't engage with us. But you know, maybe do, you know. Maybe it, do. You know, all you know, all what's the saying? Um, all, all press media, is good press. Yeah, all press is good press, I suppose. I mean, yeah. we have sixteen followers. We're not proud. No. We're humble. Yeah, we're you know, chilling. If you say something dumb, you might get slapped down. But for sure, for I'm sure, not for afraid sure. to do that. But at the same time, like, yeah, it is your podcast. We want it to be, you know, for you. We want you to feel like you are listened to and appreciated. Um, but if you come at us calling us a trash account, you're going to get slapped out. So that's right. fun. That's fun. That's just me. great. You know, it is. We're There's trying no to reason. do something here for fun. We're trying to we're, we're trying to serve the people, you know, yeah. all 16 of you, you know. Well, and, you know, I you think. Know, I think that, you know, any football, any fantasy league that had 16 people and it would feel like a really big league. So I'm feeling pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All, I guess maybe it's not 16. It's more like 15 in one accidental porn account, which is not, <laughs> it's not because of us. It's just, you know, all, you know, those trash accounts, <laughs> you, you open up a public account and all of a sudden, <laughs> all, of a, all sudden, of a sudden, everyone's like, Hey, it's like, Oh my God, you are not a real person. Okay. 
Sorry. Oh, that's <laughs> All so right. funny. Let's, uh, that's a, you know, speaking of porn accounts, let's talk about AJ Brown. <laughs> oh my God. What is that that's even? Wallace segue right there. <laughs> Hashtag Team Thick Boy. Team Thick Boy. Would you boy. rather, Josh, let's, let's launch into Would You Rathers here. Okay. Would you rather AJ Brown or Juju Smith Schuster? Man, I feel like that's a really good question. I think that if we're playing Madden, I'm going AJ Brown. But if we're talking about fantasy football, I think that that's a tough question. I think that most people that played fantasy football last year will quick fire and tell you AJ Brown, and I think that makes sense. Um, I was looking up some statistics this morning, and did you know that um, AJ Brown was only behind Michael Thomas in total PPR points scored? Did you know I that? I did not know that. That's no, I have him on un- my team, and I didn't even know that. Believable. Unbelievable. And and so I think 2020 is an opportunity for him. He still has Ryan Tannehill. And I think that he actually could walk into a Cooper Cup type situation where he's kind of like this really important player in their offense. And he could emerge as the favorite target of the QB, especially with Corey Davis, obviously not going to be re-signed in Tennessee. I think that this is an opportunity for A.J. Brown to kind of really bust out on the scene, even though he already did last year. But I think if I had a pick between A.J. Brown and Juju Smith, I think a lot of people forget Juju Smith is younger than some rookies that even came into the league this year. Um, If you're looking at Brandon Ayuk as a a young player, he's actually older than Juju Smith-Schuster, which is unbelievable. And we have to remember, too, last year he missed most of the season. And not only did he miss most of the season, but he had Devlin throwing him passes. He had Mason Rudolph throwing him passes. And if Roethlisberger is kind of at the helm right now and is starting as basically kind of like a probably an NFL favorite for comeback player of the year, I think that missing those four games and being forced out early in another for Juju Smith-Schuster, I think he's got an opportunity to really have a good season. Uh, I was looking up last last year, uh, he was on a 16-game pace for 736 yards and four touchdowns. He only had 552 yards and three touchdowns. I don't think there's any way he doesn't break 1,000 yards this year. I don't think there's any way that he doesn't get at least six touchdowns this year. And so 1,000 yards and six touchdowns for him, that's that's a huge increase. And so I think that in that situation, they also went out and got Chase Claypool. That opens up a lot on the outside for him. They still have Deontay Johnson. And so I think that Juju Smith-Schuster could be a sneak play for you. I think some people are probably frustrated with him. They probably view him as a three-year talent that's aging out, when in reality, he's a three-year talent that's developing and becoming his own personality in fantasy football and in the NFL. And so Juju Smith is somebody that I'd probably pick over A.J. Brown at the moment. What about you, Jordan? That's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, a, it's a funny thing because they're compared to each other a lot. Yeah. You know, and they're, it's a fair comparison. They're both you know thick. thick uh, Juju, I think, is a little taller. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think AJ Brown is a more refined route runner. Yeah. Um, the thing about Juju for me is that you know there have been reports already that he could be on the way out of Pittsburgh, and that's just a huge question mark um, for going sure. forward. I'm not saying you don't invest in him. If anything, you go and check with the Juju owner and see if they're willing to to sell low. You know, yeah. after last year, that was, I mean, he crapped the bed, mm-hmm. you know, but the first two years of his, of his career, you know, he's, he's doing great things, you know, Randy Moss-esque yeah. things. Well, and this is his first uh, year without Antonio Brown on the other side, and I think that's a big difference maker. 
Yeah, and uh, that's a, another thing uh, going into 2020. They're wanting to move him back into his big slot role, which is where he racked up all those yards the first couple of years. So, yeah, Josh, you're totally right. He could he could have a, a rebound year, um, and I think he will too. Um, I don't think it'll be quite as 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 good as a couple of years ago. Right. Um, but he's certainly a player that you want in Dynasty. Um, he's he's a hard worker. You know, he's he's a great culture guy. He's a great teammate. You know, everybody loves Juju. You know, yeah. um, so we're not down, we're not down on Juju at all. Um, personally, though, I think I like AJ Brown more. You look at I the target know. competition. You look at the target competition between the Titans That's and the true. Steelers. You yeah. know, you know, Juju's got Deontay Johnson. He's got uh, they just drafted Chase Claypool. Yeah. Um, Eric Ebron. You look at those. Yeah, you look at those targets over the middle. Uh, with Eric Braun, Vance McDonald is still there. Mm-hmm. Um, they uh, they do throw the ball out of the backfield some. It's I mean, there's a lot for AJ Brown. Like he's he's the obvious alpha dog wide receiver there in, in Tennessee. You know, they they turned down Corey Davis's fifth year option just the other day, and that was expected. I mean, Corey Davis, you know, he's first off, it's not his fault. He was overdrafted. You know, they That's took true. a num- number five overall out of Central Michigan. You don't gross. do that. You don't take you don't take a small school position player that high. You know, maybe an offensive tackle like Eric Fisher. Maybe you know, um, maybe a premier edge rusher like Khalil Mack coming out of Buffalo. You know, right. but n- not a wide receiver. Wide receivers have a couple of years to ramp up. They, they need a couple of years to ramp up in the NFL. Uh, that's pretty typical. Um, we don't typically see breakout seasons until year two uh, or three at the latest. Um, and with A.J. Brown, he went over 1,000 yards. He's, the, I think, one of the only players in NFL history to go over 1,000 yards with fewer than 90 targets. Dang, that is insane. That's a wild stat. Yeah. yeah. That is so, a wild stat. That, and that leads to my next point about A.J. Brown is that typically – with players who showcase efficiency, their coaches get them the ball more often. Efficiency, if you can showcase efficiency, your coaches will give you opportunity. That totally makes sense. So I think um, Juju, uh, it, they're different storylines, similar players. Juju needs, uh, needs to rebound. A.J. Brown needs to continue what he's doing, um, and I think he will. I mean, they're decl- they declined Corey Davis's option, so uh, that should tell you everything that the Titans front office. Yeah, I think about how, they about definitely how they believe feel in about him. him. Yeah. So I think really, it's it, it just comes down to to that. Um, we'll see. Uh, I love AJ Brown. I think he's a better route runner. I think he's uh, he's got a more consistent ceiling going forward than Juju Smith-Schuster, just because we don't know where Juju will be now. If Juju goes and signs with Kansas City here next year. Uh, yeah, it's obviously Juju. Yeah, I think, you know, this rumor of him potentially not being there next year, a lot of that could be true. A lot of it could be a smokescreen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let's move on to our next one here. And uh, a lot of people won't do, won't agree. Josh, I know Josh doesn't agree. I do not. They won't agree that Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray belong in the same tier. Josh, who do you have? Who would you uh, rather have, I guess, since the segment is called Would You Rather? Would you rather have Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray? I would 100% rather have Lamar Jackson. I love him. I think he's so fun. I mean, I was 
You know, the one thing about him that was a downfall for me last year was watching him be as old as he is in the playoffs. I mean, how old is he? Like 23, 24? Yeah, he's 24. So he's 24. And you could tell he was a 24-year-old kid in the playoffs last year when they were losing. You know, and not every 24-year-old is Patrick Mahomes. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not the case. And so I feel like if I was 24 and I was in that situation, I'd probably act the same way. But just that frustrated, kind of stressed out personality, which comes with being 24. I think that's, he's young. But the reality is, is I think a lot of times people make Lamar Jackson out to be this bad passer, and he's not a bad passer. He's actually a pretty decent passer, and I think he's an elite passer inside of the pocket as well. Uh, Pro football, fantasy actually rated him as a 90.5 in terms of passing inside of the pocket all the way up from week one to week 12. And that's pretty impressive. They actually, that's actually rating him first overall. And, and that's over Mahomes. That's over Aaron Rodgers. And it sounds egregious, but it's actually kind of solid. I mean, through those first 12 weeks, he had 16 big-time throws, and he only had five turnover-worthy plays. That's incredible for a, a running back is what most people call him, right? I mean, he even said that in week one. I remember uh, after he played a, a fantastic game, they asked him, you know, what do you think? And he said, I think it's a great game for a running back. And when you talk about fantasy, let's talk about if you put one of the top 20 running backs in the league in a passing position where he's actually a top five passer. <laughs> that's that's absolutely worth it. And, you know, they do have some things like J.K. Dobbins in the mix this year, which will probably take away some rushing routes. But I actually think that will increase his passing game. And so for me, I think Lamar Jackson over Kyler Murray. I love Kyler Murray. Um, you know, one of the funniest videos I think I've ever seen is an offensive lineman trying to jump over him. I showed you that this morning. And Kyler Murray's a good quarterback, but I think that he's got a little bit more to do. I think there's a reason they went out and got someone like DeAndre Hopkins because I think they need they need to give him all of the support that he can that he can get because I don't think he's as elite as Lamar Jackson. I think when it comes to fantasy football or even just the NFL, I think I would put Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes in the same window. And Kyler Murray would be in a lower tier, whereas some people would probably argue that Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray are in a tier together. So I think that when it comes to me, I think my decision would be Lamar Jackson, clearly. But I also think Kyler Murray is probably going to be the third quarterback off of most boards, and I think that's realistic. Yeah, for sure. Um, the thing with Kyler Murray uh, is that he's like 5'6". <laughs> right? On a good day? No, he, yeah, he's, no he's actually 5'10". He's, yeah. well... Not actually 5'10". He's probably more like 5'9". They just rounded up. Right. Um, that's that's my hunch. Um, so you brought up some interesting points about Lamar Jackson's passing ability. And uh, so much the NFL is scheme dependent. And Truthfully. like not saying Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball. Obviously he can. Um, but I think, you know, in terms of scheme, we just have to evaluate, you know, what's the better scheme going forward? And in, in a league um, – in a league that is becoming more and more pass first, um, you know, pass heavy. Right. Um, Kyler Murray has all the tools. Uh, he was a 99th percentile passer in college, and he's in the same scheme that he was in in college. Right. So, like, to me, there's no way that Kyler Murray can't succeed. Like, he feels to me um, bus proof. You know. Hmm. Uh, the only thing you know that would stop him 
from succeeding would be his offensive line, you know? <laughs> Trying to jump over him <laughs> yeah. and breaking his neck. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I have a really terrible joke about that, but I'm not sure if I want to share it. I was going to say, it was J.R. Sweezy who tried to jump over Kyler Murray. Okay. It's it's more like J.R. Swayze <laughs> in, in Footloose. God. <laughs> trying to trying to jump over. No. <laughs> I like it. I like no? it. No? Okay. <laughs> Don't, it, it was a stretch. It was a stretch. J.R. Swayze. J.R. Swayze definitely was a stretch after that. Dude, um, that video is so funny. Let's see. In Kyler Murray's first season, he threw the ball 541 times, which is the ninth in the NFL, for 3,700 yards, uh, about, about average 15, uh, 20 passing touchdowns, and 12 interceptions. We typically hmm. don't see rookie quarterbacks throwing for a ton of touchdowns. Right. Anyway, um, that's pretty normal. The fact that he threw for almost 4,000 yards as a rookie is really impressive. Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, and let's also bear in mind that the, the Cardinals were the number two rushing offense in the NFL last year. Yeah, one of the things, and a lot of that was because that scheme is built for rushing. I mean, Kenyon Drake looked great. Chase Edmonds looked great. And Kyler Murray even looked great. It's really yeah. funny watching him uh, be one of those guys that can do both, but is kind of viewed as the guy that can, like, like you said earlier in this question, one's viewed as the better runner, one's viewed as the better passer, but they're really kind of equal. I mean, I remember last year saying to, well, I'm not going to say they're equal. I'm just saying it is a scheme fit thing. I think Lamar Jackson's better, but I think that, you know, last year I said a lot at the beginning of the year when I was watching Lamar Jackson before I was completely bought in on him being, in my opinion, the second best quarterback in fantasy, I remember saying to my friend, like, dude, I wonder what Kyler Murray would look like in this Ravens offense. I wonder what Kyler Murray, like, you have to remember, like, they drafted Josh Rosen instead of Lamar Jackson the year before. So, I mean, that was under a different offense, obviously, but we could have been having this conversation with them in completely different roles and it's interesting to think what that would have looked like, too. But I think Kyler Murray is a good passer. I think he's a good runner, too. And so it's interesting that they were the number two rushing attack. But I think if Lamar Jackson was there, it'd be the number two rushing attack because of him, not necessarily because of the running backs. Yeah. And, you know, speaking of Kyler Murray's rushing ability, we didn't really get to see it a ton last year. You know, he, um, for the first few weeks of the season, like, I remember watching him and being like, why isn't he running? You know, like, right. why isn't he running? Like he, he's coming out of, out of college, um, having rushed so well, like his rusher, greatest rusher was, was amazing. Yeah. And, and he gets to the NFL. It's like, almost like they're like coaching him to not run. And it's like, that's taking away such a dynamic part of his game. Like, yeah. He, yeah. Let's let's look at it here. He ran for you know he ran for 544 yards last year, but he only only took off 93 times. Hmm. You know, how many how many yards did Lamar Jackson run for? I mean, he broke a thousand. Yeah, he broke a thousand. Yeah. So, so it's I would think it's fair to say if Kyler Murray can if if he can ramp up his rushing ability. Now, obviously, they're not going to use him quite as much as Lamar Jackson because Lamar Jackson. Is he's more of a um, everybody knows he's going to run. He knows he's going to run. It's the scheme. It's Greg Roman. He yeah. loves to run. He had he had Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick was one of the best rushing quarterbacks to ever play. Right. So 
Um, I think with Kyler Murray, if he can just ramp up, if he, if he takes off 150 times at mm-hmm. almost six yards a clip like he did last year, he's 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 in that same tier. That's true. He's in that same tier. And that's my whole argument. I'm not trying to argue that like Kyler Murray is better than Lamar Jackson. No. I'm saying that his game, that his you know 99th percentile college QBR as a passer combined with that rushing ability, his 4.29 speed faster than Andy Isabella. That's wild. Yeah. That is so wild. <laughs> like you combine those things, and I think he has a higher long-term ceiling than Lamar Jackson, who everyone knows is going to run who's in a run scheme, who's going to get hit way more often. Another thing, Kyler Murray played baseball. That's he knows true. how to slide. He knows when to get down. Yeah. He was That's drafted true. to the MLB. Yeah. Like, I think he's, I think he's, he, he has the potential to be a better, smarter version of Lamar Jackson with a longer future in the league. And a so, shorter height. Yeah. Yeah. Well that, you know, you look at shorter running backs, you know, they're harder to see behind the line. So, you know, if they can just, you know, calibrate things in Arizona, I think he could be, you know, highly successful. Like I said, have greater longevity than Lamar Jackson. That's interesting. Now, now Lamar Jackson, you talked about his passing. uh, That was by necessity. You know, he has to be that good to sustain his, you know, production. He has to be that good as a passer. Otherwise, he's just a, a what he was in year one, a glorified, right. you know, uh, glorified, you know, what wildcat they're trying to make Taysom, Hill, Taysom yeah. Hill to be, what they're trying to make Jalen Hurts to be. He's a he's glorified wildcat running back. Yeah, you basically. Know? And so um, there's, a, there's a lot of takeaways here, really. Um, I'm just trying to make the point that I think Kyler Murray uh, is going to be in that tier sooner rather than later. I think so too. And I think when it comes to fantasy with those two, I think that you can see Kyler Murray go up in fantasy points this year, and he'll probably see a little bit of regression from Mark Jackson. Yeah, that's totally fair. Um, Kyler Murray, like like we said, only threw 20 touchdowns last year. You would yeah. expect to see at least 12 to 15 more. So let's move on. Let's talk about Nick Chubb or Joe Mixon. They're two players who are very close in ADP. Um, they are, yeah. Yeah, and they could be very close in production. Um one could be top five upside. Could have top five upside. Joe Mixon could. Um, I, I'll start this one off, Josh, and let you. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, I let you come in and clean up and do the dirty work of, of whatever I end up saying. If <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't make, I don't know. If it doesn't make any sense, uh, sorry, listeners. Um, it's a tough decision, you know, to choose between a a, a chub and and. Um, some dude who hit a woman in college. Um, so, yeah. So, <laughs> it's true. It's it true. is. It's valid. It's uh, so, Nick Chubb, obviously he's sharing a backfield with Kareem Hunt. They're in a run-heavy offense with Kevin Stefanski. You know, you look at you look at an offensive coordinator who, you know, who made it possible for Dalvin Cook to break out. Um, he also did a lot to hamper the wide receivers in Minnesota last year. With Chubb, I really think that his production is capped with Kareem Hunt back there, at least his receiving production. And if you're in a PPR league, if you're in, if you're like in standard, like you're good, good to go on Nick Chubb. Um, but if you're in a PPR league, like you really have to take that into account. How many passes is he going to catch out of the backfield um, with Kareem Hunt, who's a 
you know, just as good, if not better, of a pass catcher is also back there. Um, he's actually one of the most uh, efficient pass catching running backs last year, um, as he was in Kansas City. You know, um, no one really knows like what what they're wanting to do with Kareem Hunt. Like, if they're if it's just a luxury to have two top end, two high end running backs back there. Um, you know, there, we, there's so much running back talent in the NFL right now. It's, it's really hard to, to, to really say, you know, what they want to do, um, or like why, <laughs> why they have such great quality running backs. They could just be because it fell that way. Obviously cream hunt was in a bad situation. Former GM signed him, um, almost as a mercy, help him get back up on his feet, I guess. Yeah. Um, guy who drafted him so um and then with Mixon, like it feels like he's been set up for a monster season for like three years now yeah you know? that's true um i remember when i traded for him two years ago and i thought that that was gonna be the case and he never really did much uh much beyond kind of back-end rb1 uh high-end rb2 season um so you know going forward like like the the similarities between him and Prime Gurley, at, at least athletically, are there. Um, you have Zach Taylor, uh, the head coach, who was um, quarterbacks coach for the Rams, springing a variation of that of that Rams offense from two or three years ago with him, from Prime Gurley's offense with him. Um, it's there. It's possible. Um, it's just you know I think with Chubb you have a higher floor. Uh, and with Mixon, you have a higher ceiling. So it's really, you know, pick your poison. The other thing to consider about Mixon is that he's, you know, rumors are out there that he's going to hold out if he doesn't get a deal. Um, so and the, the, the problem with that is that you look at his production and he doesn't deserve Ezekiel Elliott money. He doesn't deserve CMC money. And you know he's going to ask it because every agent wants to reset the market for their, for their client, you know? Yeah, so, no, that's so accurate. Yeah. So for me, I would say you want your running back. You know, Nick Chubb is probably – if you're going running back in the first round, Nick Chubb is probably going to be like an early second rounder at this point, maybe late first, you know, around I there. I can see that. You know, so um, if you can choose someone with a higher ceiling and a, just a safer floor, go for it. That's you could true. choose an Alvin Kamara, obviously, if you're in that position go for it. I know that Chubb and Kamara were being picked reasonably close to each other last year. They're being picked pretty close. Uh, I think they could be picked pretty close this year too, especially in redraft leagues. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Yeah. I think, you know, I, I I think that that's, that's valid. I think that Nick Chubb probably has a better floor. I mean, in the last two years, he's averaging almost five yards a carry. I think he's averaging almost – I think he's actually averaging 5.1 yards per carry, and he had 16 touchdowns in the last two years. And so I think that's a pace that's completely attainable and consistent. But I think that adding Kareem Hunt does limit him. Having Kareem Hunt there does limit Nick Chubb in PPR formats. When Hunt was in the game, when Hunt was active, Chubb averaged only 1.8 catches per game in those games. And so his run ability is there. He's one of the best rushing running backs in the NFL. I think Yeah, that's why they're that's why they're comparing Jonathan Taylor to him. Yeah, he's really good. Talent. Yeah, he's super good. It's just it's a high risk high reward because if you're in a PPR format, Nick Chubb's not the greatest option for you because even Kareem Hunt falls into the running back 3 risk reward kind of tier. And so 
you don't really want to draft an RB1 that has an RB3 sitting in the slot, basically. But when it comes to Joe Mixon, you know, it, it has been one of those things where every year it seems like, okay, Joe Mixon's going to be the new Todd Gurley. Joe Mixon's going to be the new Todd Gurley to the point where we're not even saying Joe Mixon's going to be the new Todd Gurley. We're like, okay, Joe Mixon's going to be the new Dalvin Cook. It was just like we keep making up the next thing that he's going to be that he's actually it's even being surpassed. And so to say that Mixon had a bad year is rough because last year he actually had a decent year. If you go look at the sleeper app or if you look at any of the game logs from last year, in 2019, these are his point totals in a PPR format from week 10 to 17. He had 17 points, 17 points, 8 points, 17, 27, 18, 9, and 30. That's pretty substantial. That actually even puts him as the fourth overall running back in PPR leagues through week 10. So from week 10 to week 17, he was the number four rated. He ended the season as 11. And so when you see that, it's like he's probably not worth being drafted as the fourth best running back in the league. But when you think about the things that added to that Bengals offense this year, drafting Joe Burrow, Jonah Williams comes off of IR. They were drafted him last year. And and then adding some other offensive weapons. I think that Joe Mixon actually finally gets his opportunity to be the running back one that all of us have been hoping for from the moment we drafted him in in Dynasty Leagues and, and for every single one of us who have drafted him in a redraft league just for him to score, you know, five points total through the first two weeks. And so when it comes down to Joe Mixon or Nick Chubb, I think that Joe Mixon has a better floor this year than he did last year, but I think his ceiling is infinitely higher. I think Joe Mixon could, I think that his ceiling is so high, you could even see him in the season as one of the top three running backs. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's the pitfall too, you know, <laughs> it's like, Truthfully, you keep buying into this. And like, I believe in his athletic ability. It's just the coaches. Yeah. If they would just stop giving Gio Bernard carries early in the season, like we would have like last year, we would have seen Joe Mixon as a top seven running back. Yeah. You know, those first few weeks, if he was getting more than 55% of the running back touches, he's a workhorse guys. He's a workhorse. Yeah. Zach Taylor use him like he is. He's a great pass catcher. You know, yeah. seen him one hand, touchdown <laughs> catches a couple of years ago when he was on my team. Uh, if he slips, obviously in the second round, late second round, not late. He's going to not, he's not going to go late, but mid second round. I think that's his, his appropriate value um, given the risk uh, associated with, with potentially holding out. You know, that's a big deal in dynasty, yeah. especially. Agreed. All right. So let's talk about our last, would you rather uh, talk about the Iowa boys, uh, the tight ends that came into the league last year, TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, two hyper-athletic uh, tight ends, two great elite tight end prospects. Hawkinson was regarded as the best tight end prospect to come into the league since O.J. Howard, went number eight overall. Uh, Noah Fant, extreme athlete. Like, it, it was crazy because I remember watching the Combine, watching both of these guys, and it's like uh, – uh, how are they at the same school? <laughs> how, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, who do I pick? Like, yeah. how am I supposed to know who to pick here? Because with tight ends, tight end prospects, you want them to be athletic. That's that's Absolutely. the biggest thing going into the NFL. Yeah. Like, that's the biggest indicator, predictor of, you know, potential success is athleticism. If your tight ends are not athletic, you have a very low chance of breaking out coming into the draft or coming into the NFL. So um, there, there's a little – a little nugget for you to take with you into your dynasty rookie drafts. I don't recommend drafting any titans this year, but if you do, draft the athletic ones. 
so, Josh, who would you take between these two guys? It's tough. I mean, I think TJ Hawk is probably the best. Hokinson is probably the best option. I think Stafford's a better quarterback than Drew Locke. I think that I can't even tell you the kind of receivers that are available other than Kenny G. We've got Marvin Jones. You've got Quintez Cephas. I can't tell you who's behind those guys. Travis Fulcombe is also there. Okay. But outside of those guys, yeah. Yeah, there's not much there. And so I think that – Swift. Yeah. And Hokinson's got – he's just got a better option at targets. I think with Noah Fant, I think that this year's draft kind of hurt his stock at least in fantasy, because they went out and got yeah, Jerry Albert Judy. O. They got Albert O, which the thing is, is Noah Fant has been productive with another tight end on the field. We've no, we know that with TJ Hawkinson. But I think Hawkinson, uh, Horkinson, Morkinson, TJ Morkinson. And so, they're from Iowa. <laughs> they're, they're, you know, it's probably, you know, I have family in Iowa, so I can say this. Yeah. If, if, you're, if, you, if you're from Iowa, it's probably – is probably pronounced seven different ways and all in <laughs> some weird Dutch whatever. Hokinson. Whatever. Yeah, whatever Hawkinson is. <laughs> I, I don't know. No offense, TJ Hawkinson. Uh, wow, they almost said no offense. No offense, TJ Hawkinson. No offense, TJ Hawkinson. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm on a roll tonight, guys. I hope, I hope the, the listener is laughing. I am clipping that one in for sure. Uh, so, yeah, I think, you know, my pick, I think my pick would be TJ um, you know, these super high prospect tight ends like OJ Howard, they have to be in a good system and they have to be in a system that's going to throw them the ball. I think TJ dealt with some injuries last year, like you said earlier when we were going over the show sheet, but he looked good when he was on the field and when he was getting the snaps that he needs to be successful. And Noah Fant, like, I think that he'll need a couple more years to really develop as, like, one of those top-tier tight ends. And so if you're looking for someone now, I think TJ is the option, especially in a super thin tight end class for fantasy in 2020. Yeah, I, was, I want to talk a little bit more about Noah Fant, too, um, because the Broncos drafted Albert Okuwagbunam, who, may I remind you, was Drew Locke's tight end in college. Yeah. So there's rapport there. Yeah. You know, if there's anything, uh, at least coming out of the tight end position in Denver, that's going to steal uh, potential targets away from Noah Fant, it's that rapport. So, um, not saying that Noah Fant's going to auto- just automatically just tank or, or bust or whatever, but you know, you have to consider that if you're considering between these two guys, and you're probably considering them at a similar point in the draft. So. Um, just think about that. TJ Hawkinson, you know, he got hurt. Uh, I believe he was probably playing hurt for a while, and that's why, you know, we didn't see that, see what he could have been. Uh, we saw that flash in week one, and, you know, that's that's what you want to see, but you, obviously you want it to be more consistent than that. Um, I also want to see the Lions actually um, scheme for him, you know, actually put him in the game plan. That would be great, too. So, Josh. Our next segment here, um, topic number two for tonight, uh, is veteran surprises. Uh, we want to talk about 2020 breakout players and 2020 breakdown players. Uh, so conversely, you know, obviously breakout players, everybody knows what that is, breakdown player. You probably figure it out. Context clue is obvious. But players we believe will – I really want to – I really want to – really want to curse on this i know we said in our marketing that we wouldn't <laughs> i guess i'll just say crap at that 
It okay. just sounds more effective. You know, it's more effective sometimes. I know what you mean. I totally get it. Yeah. We want to be suitable for work. We really yeah. do. Absolutely. But we also want to tell the truth. So. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you are on a roll today. Um, yeah, so who is your but Who's your breakout player, Josh? Yeah. Okay, Tell us your breakout player. Um, you, you said this was going to be a surprise, and I was going to hate it, so I'm, <sighs> I'm just I've got a couple, and uh, you know, at the beginning of the show, I have one that I think makes sense, and I have one that I think is a reach, and I think I'm going to share my reach, and then after I'll tell you my my other one, and that can you know be for us. But I think for me, this tight end class is insanely thin. You've got O.J. Howard as who you probably would have drafted really early. Now you're not even sure if you're going to take him. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's so many tight ends that are in committees now. It makes no sense, right? I mean, Vance McDonald, Eric Ebron, both of those guys were on a roster last year, and both of those guys were considered at least, I mean, with Jack Doyle and Ebron, I mean, there was still some value there. And so for me, I think, you're going to hate this, the Cincinnati Bengals, okay, let Tyler Eifert walk. They have not signed a single undrafted free agent at tight end position. They have Drew Sample, and he's horrible. And so I think with that said, when it becomes a, a receiving threat tied in in Cincinnati, I think the only option is C.J. Uzama. <laughs> and I think Uzama. Uzama. C.J. Uzama. Uzama. I think he I'm fits. also here to correct Josh's pronunciations of things. I need it. So oh, C.J. Uzama will be utilized in that offense. And he's been utilized in that offense before. I looked it up. He had 104 targets over the last two seasons. That's pretty substantial for a guy that wasn't even the starter. And so C.J. Uzama, I think, Uzama. Uzama, I think that he's got this opportunity here to be targeted. And I think the reality is, is that he's probably the last tight end that you're taking in any single draft. I guarantee you in redraft leagues, that guy's not going to get touched. I guarantee you in Dynasty, he's available. And so this guy's free. I think this guy's free. And so that's why I think he's a surprise breakout player for me because He's a player that you don't even have to trade to go get. You just have to draft him with your last pick in re in your dynasty leagues, and you just have to draft him in the last pick with your redraft pick. You know, I think when you look at this guy, his upside is limited, and it'll be tough to insert him into your lineup every once in a while, especially if they're only running uh, one tight end formats. But I think that if you start two tight ends in your league or if you have a tight end kicker kick or flex, this guy would be a steal for you because he's somebody that you could play like almost week in, week out at that point. And he's going to get receptions because the reality is, is Joe Burrow is a rookie quarterback. And I know he's got some rapport with T. Higgins over this quarantine. I know that A.J. Green is coming back. Maybe. Who knows if that guy's, you know, I feel like he's been injured for three years at this point. And so, but I think CJ Uzoma will actually be a legitimate tight end this year. And so I think that he's somebody that you can go get. I think he'll, he'll at the very least be a top 15 tight end. I know that's aggressive, but I think that's the truth. That, yeah, that's, that's pretty aggressive. But hey, you know, we want to be aggressive. I'm an really, aggressive person. What can really I say? Shamelessly bold. One of the two. One of them. Um, uh, one of the most predictive metrics, athleticism, workout metrics, whatever you want to call them for tight ends is speed score. Uh, Josh, do you know what CJ Uzama's speed score percentile is? I'm hoping you have it pulled up, and I'm hoping it's I beneficial do. to me. It's 90th percentile. I love that. Yes. 111.5 90th percentile speed score. Um, I can totally see it. Totally. 
Um, the only problem that I have with that is that they did spend a second rounder on Drew Sample last year. And draft capital is a little bit of a trump card, but at the same time, Drew Sample is, is a blocking tight end. Yeah. You know, um, they drafted him because Zach Taylor has run concepts that, you know, he stole from Sean McVay, you know, and they wanted to be effective on the ground. Um, if, if, take for example, Jonah, Jonah Williams, and if he and Drew Sample were both hurt last year, Joe Mixon probably would not have been in the top 15. I believe that. Yeah. So, um, and I, ha- I haven't even looked at Drew Sample's blocking grades. Maybe I'm totally wrong, but I just have a hunch that that's probably what it was. So take it or leave it. Prove us wrong. Tweet that as at IML Podcast, not at IML Fantasy. Um, so, yeah, I can totally see it. You know, that speed score, uh, He's he's been moderately productive. And you're right. He's cheap, super cheap. He's free in yeah. our league. Yeah. Now, we're a 10-team dynasty league, uh, which is not conventional. Uh, in one of my 12 leagues, I believe he is owned. Um, but he can be had for cheap. Yeah. If you believe in him, like Josh believes in him. I do. I think that'd be a steal, yeah. Mm -hmm. What about you? Who's your breakout candidate for 2020? I've got a wide receiver. We talked about his quarterback earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, They just traded for arguably the best wide receiver in the game. You must be talking about Stefan Diggs. Are you going to talk about John Brown being a breakout player? <laughs> no. I'm talking <laughs> about Christian Kirk. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Christian Kirk. Um, I believe that he is going to have a breakout. He went over 100 targets last year. Yeah, he was great. Mm-hmm. I had him on my team. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not why I want to call him a breakout player. Let's, let's just get that, that <laughs> out, out there early here. Um, I obviously I'm a big fan of Christian Kirk. Um, I would love to see him break out. Um, I think a lot of people would, he's just a good player. He's a great route runner. He's fast. Uh, he's good at the deep routes. Uh, he's good at all routes really. Um, and the thing about Deandre Hopkins being there, um, I don't think it hurts him. I think it helps, you know, they want to pass the ball a lot. That cliff Kingsbury offense, same, same offense that, Patrick Mahomes ran in college, guys. They want to throw the ball a lot. So uh, I think Christian Kirk is in for another 100-target season. I would even I would even say that he's probably in for a 120-target season. You know, let's let's bring it up a notch. You know, here. Yeah. Um, for Christian Kirk, um, he gets comped to Stephon Diggs. It's, it's funny that you bring that bring him bring him up, but he gets comped to Stephon Diggs a lot. Um, and I, I'm here to say that if you believe that Christian Kirk has Stephon Diggs-type upside and you are sad or deterred from drafting Christian Kirk in your startups or in your redrafts uh, this year um, because DeAndre Hopkins is there, I don't think you're doing the legwork to get to, uh, the, to, to, get to the place where you know, Christian Kirk is a value. Yeah, you know, he really is. Like, I think he's being taken at, as like wide receiver thirty-seven ish right now. No that's, way. That is stealing. That is that's ridiculous. Stealing. Yeah, yeah. So like, he's you know relatively cheap. Um, a lot of people think that because DeAndre Hopkins is there that he's gonna see a reduction in targets. That's just not gonna be the case. You're gonna have DeAndre Hopkins 
uh, taking uh, commanding double teams, you know, like he does. And that's going to leave Christian Kirk. Kyler Murray is going to get better. He only threw 20 touchdowns last year. That was the biggest thing for Christian Kirk. Players yeah. who typically have who typically have over 100 targets um, typically do better than Christian Kirk did last year. Uh, I don't know it off the top of my head. I probably should have looked it up before uh, beforehand, but uh, Christian Kirk was outside of the top 24 wide receivers last year. That's all I know. Yeah. And he should have been well within it. If his touchdown, if, if his touchdown total was just, you know, up a little bit, uh, he would have been there. And I think that's what he's looking at next year. So breakout player, it's not really a breakout in my mind, but uh, it's not a surprise, at least in my mind. Um, but it's going to be a surprise to a lot of people. Um, now let's sense. talk about our breakdown players. Josh, uh, how about you go first? Well, um, this one I think is a little bit rough, and I'm sure people will disagree with me, and I could even be proven wrong on this one, but I'm just going to say Diggs' name one more time. Uh, Stefan Diggs, 94 targets in 2017, 149 targets in 2018, and then 34 targets in 2019. Now, uh, and that, uh, 24 or 34 targets, uh, and, and when I say 34, that's the week that Thielen walked out. And so that would have been on pace for what it was, you know, about 150, arguably, targets split between the two of them over the last three years if, if Thielen was healthy for the entire year. And I think Thielen is who I'm saying is a breakdown candidate this year. I think that there is a lot of targets available in that offense. And they are run heavy. I know they switched to a run heavy offense, and and Dalvin Cook benefited greatly from it. But I think they're still going to pass the ball, and I think Cousins and Thielen have a really good rapport, and he could potentially still be the number one receiver in Minnesota. But I think he's going to regress. You know, I think he was still a pretty consistent receiver the last couple of seasons, but Thielen would be, in my opinion, a wide receiver that's probably being drafted in the top twenty at that position and I don't think he'll score in the top 20 at that position and so that's what I mean when I say regress I think right now if if you look at his ADP he's going as like the 13th wide receiver last year he was in the top 10 but I don't think that he'll stay in the top 10 anymore especially with Diggs being gone because Diggs did open up a lot on the outside for him I think Justin Jefferson is going to be a candidate to steal a lot of those targets Irv Smith Jr. didn't get really used last year I think he's you know, another potential breakout candidate in twenty in twenty twenty because he's gonna get targets and he is fast. Irv Smith is super fast. And so I think that when you look at what the Vikings are doing and what the Vikings have available to them that they haven't used, when you look at those 150 targets that Stefan Diggs left, I don't think Thielen's gonna get those 150 targets. I actually think he's going to lose some of his own targets because I think they're gonna go a little bit more heavy on the run. And I think that you know, for Thielen to get over 150 targets this year is, I don't think it's going to happen. And during those seasons, he had almost 1,500 yards receiving, which I don't think is a possibility. I think for me, if you look at Thielen with 1,500 yards and, and being in double digits for touchdowns, I don't think that's going to happen in 2020. I think that he'll probably still hit 1,000 yards. I still think he'll probably be a top, you know, 30 wide receiver but I don't think that he's worth drafting as like the 13th overall best right now. Yeah. I agree with you though. I don't, um, I haven't looked too much into the scheme. Uh, I haven't really felt the need to, 
I look at Adam Thielen and I see that he had a severe hamstring injury last year. And typically for players of his age, the following year after an injury like that, they have recurring soft tissue injuries as a result of those severe like hamstring injuries. Um, That's all really I need to know. Uh, That's why I stay away. Um, You know, you can think hypothetically that, you know, Adam Thielen is going to um, rebound, but guys, he's 30. He'll be 31 by the end of the season. That's, you know, uh, you know, yeah, I'm 30, but like, I'm not a football player and like my body feels as old as it does because, well, I'm I'm not not great. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm 30. Um, So for Adam Thielen, he's facing father time. Um, You just got to play it smart and understand that you're probably going to get a third to two-thirds tops of a season out of Adam Thielen this year. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. For me, I'm looking at – and this is going to be a surprise. This is going to be a little contrarian for a lot of people. Okay. Uh, A lot of people have this wide receiver uh, projecting him to be the overall wide receiver one in 2020. Stephon Diggs? (laughs) Just stop it. All right? Stop with the Stefan Diggs. It's not Stefan Diggs. Happening. You don't think he's the number no. one wide receiver? Okay. No, he never has been. He's never even been a wide receiver one. Okay, maybe one year. But that's it. <laughs> Only one right. year. <laughs> God, lay off. Jeez. Okay. We're talking about Devontae Adams. Oh, really? Yes. So I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I thought you were going to say D-Hop. Oh, no. Nice, nice, nice fake uh, response. Nice fake out uh, shock there, Josh. <laughs> no, I actually thought that? you were going to say Hopkins. Or was Hopkins. that genuine? Oh, that was okay. genuine. I thought you were going to say Hopkins. Oh, okay. I thought you were just well, going yeah, stick, to stick on trend yeah. with the Cardinals. No, I mean, to be fair, you could you could say it's a little bit of a possibility for Hopkins. I mean, typically when wide receivers change teams, they see a 5 to 7% dip in target share. That's typical. Uh, the only wide receiver to, to – to not have that ha- happen really has been uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Odell, Odell Beckham Jr. Orkinson. Um <laughs> When you shared that with, that stat with me, I was like, whatever. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's of course insane. it's true. I'd, I never tell a lie. I've told you that. I mean, I mean, even when I was talking about you know selling perceptions, not players. Right. I never tell a lie. Never tell a lie. Never so you think Devonte Adams will regress? You think he's a breakdown? I do. Let me read off a few stats for you, and you tell me if you think that these are sustainable going forward. Okay, I'm ready. Last year in the, in the Packers' final 10 games, uh, this is courtesy of Sharp Football, just by the way. Okay. Um, Devontae Adams accounted for 50% of the Packers receiving touchdowns, 41% of their receiving yards, 34% of their receptions, and 33% of their targets. Holy Lord. Is he the only player on the field? Seems like it. That's nuts. Maybe that's why they didn't draft yeah. a wide receiver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they probably didn't feel like they needed to. Um, here's the thing: I love Devontae Adams. I've had For him sure. on my. I had him on my roster. I recently traded him away because this is what I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe he he's he will still be good. I'm not saying he's not going to be a wide receiver one this year, guys. I'm saying he's not going to be the wide receiver one overall. Yeah. And so um, it's not really, I guess, technically a breakdown. Uh, maybe a breakdown in value. Uh, I think he's a wide receiver one, but I don't think he's, you know, you look at his career, he's had uh, two years ago, 275 points um, in 
at least our league, uh, half PPR, uh, tiered PPR, whatever it was. Um, so we look at this, uh, we see those percentages that we just read off. Um, they don't feel sustainable. And typically those types of things aren't sustainable at that rate. Um, 50% of the receiving touchdowns, touchdowns are the least sticky in terms of like year to year. Touchdowns are the least sticky in terms of like year to year, like regression. Like you can't, you can't just look at that and say, yeah, of course, Devonte Adams is going to have 50% of the receiving touchdowns. And that's ridiculous. There's no, no, like those ridiculous. No, you don't even know Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> you don't know Aaron Rodgers frame of mind right now he might be so pissed off at the Packers organization that he just sits out yeah most beats pulls an Andrew Luck and now Jordan loves the starter yeah what if he what if he mutinies that offense you know and and says you know what LaFleur I'm not going to run your scheme that might actually be good for Devontae Adams you know because yeah that's basically all Aaron Rodgers did in the late McCarthy years is just play backyard football and we see a player who is in an offense that wants to run the ball more they went out and drafted AJ Dillon, six foot, two hundred forty-seven pounds, runs a four-five. Monster. Yeah. Um, they've got Aaron Jones. They've got Jamal Williams for some reason. They apparently think he's somewhat competent. Um, he's at least a good interview. You know, I don't know if you've heard him give interviews, but. And didn't they draft a running back last year? Yeah, they drafted Dexter Williams at Notre Dame. He uh, he did not pan out. Um, I was I was keeping an eye on him. I had him on my watch list in waivers. And yeah, and I stopped watching him about three fourths of the way through the season. Um, but let's look at this here. Uh, if the Packers want to ratchet up the run, you know what would that mean for Adams' dominant target share? It's going to go down. Right. The pie is getting smaller, guys. Hmm. Uh, he might still dominate the target share. Yeah. It might even be thirty-three percent, but that pie is going to be smaller. That's true. Um, so you got to ask yourself, if that passing pie is smaller for Adams, that will limit his upside, right? Yeah, I mean, it ha- literally happened to Stefan Diggs, not to be a joke, but it literally happened to Stefan Diggs last year in Minnesota yeah. with the run heavy scheme. And- so I'm just wondering, if they are intending to run the ball more, if they were out looking for a third running back to put together – a three-headed monster in that backfield. Uh, who's to say that Devontae Adams is going to see 170 targets this year? That's a lot. 170 that's is a lot. That's what he had in his in his wide receiver two, wide receiver three season a couple years ago. You know, he needs that to to put together that sort of a season, and I just don't see it happening. We got to account for the regression that the run game brings into play. Because the run game is an antiquated form of football. You know, they're going to be in, in game scripts. Sure, if they're playing from behind, they're going to need to pass the ball more. You know, um, but the defenses are also going to be on to them about it. You know, Devontae Adams is an elite receiver. He's a route, an amazing route runner. Uh, he does, you know, he does all kinds of twisted things to DBs. Yeah. Um, I just don't, I'm not making my argument well here, but. I see an offense that never replaced Brian Belaga, one of the best pass-protecting right tackles in the NFL, and then went out and drafted a running back in the second round. Yeah. When they already have Aaron Jones. And what does that Williams. tell you? Yeah. 
What does that tell you? It tells you they want to run the ball. It tells yeah. you that, that – And they're excited Matt about LaFleur, running the ball. Yeah, Matt LaFleur wants to run the ball. He wants, yeah. to, he wants to be Kyle Shanahan, but he's not as smart as Kyle Shanahan. You know? Agreed. So. Yeah. I'm calling it. I don't think Devontae Adams is going to have that huge, huge season that everyone's calling for. I think he – I think he's a safe wide, uh, safe top ten wide receiver. I think so too. And, and just I just don't to, think, I don't think he's in for that top three season. I don't think so either. And he's probably, you're right. He's probably one of the top two receivers taken off the board. Maybe even the first receiver taken off the board in some leagues. And and just to say this, Devonte Adams has only had one season where he broke a thousand yards. Really? One, only one season where he broke a thousand yards, and that was in 2018 when he was the number two in PPR, number three in standard. Last year, he finished 23 PPR, 29 in standard. He missed four games, and so maybe if those four games are added in, that goes up a little bit, but it definitely does not warrant being the number one wide receiver in fantasy. Yeah. Uh, the first, like, six weeks last year for Devonta Adams were abysmal. They were just bad. Yeah, they were rough. So going into our next topic here, Josh, this is our final, uh, final topic here. I know we're running out of time. Uh, we're going to try and get through this quickly. Um, but we wanted to give you guys something to chew on a little bit here at the end of the podcast. Um, we want to talk about when is the best time to sell rookie picks. You know, if you're in dynasty leagues, um, you got rookie picks, and you got to figure out what to do with them. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, if you're trying to contend, a lot of a lot of owners will try and sell those picks to to put together a contender of a roster. Um, and that that's a that's a slippery slope. Um, on the other hand, if all you ever do is just take your picks and never move, you're probably not getting the best value. So you gotta, you kind of gotta do a few things. You gotta be strategic here. But we we want to talk about you know our uh, pick trading philosophy. And um, so with that, Josh, I want to just ask like, what do you do? Like, uh, you're you have a lot of picks this year. You're you're in a rebuild. Yeah. Um, you have some unique questions. I think you probably face more questions in this rookie draft than I do or yeah. than a contender. Or would. anyone in the United States. I would, I would make that <laughs> argument. Yeah, no. Yes. Well, you are a Chiefs fan. I trying am. to figure out whether you want to take CEH 101. So That's good luck with that. the worst feeling ever. Yeah, no, it's, it's a hard thing, dude. Selling rookie picks is rough. I mean, honestly, selling rookie picks is what got me in this situation. I packaged players um, to get picks, and now I have all these picks, but I don't have the roster that's competitive. And so now, you know, I've got to use these picks to draft players that will benefit me in the future. But like we said in last week's episode, a lot of these rookies are going to take a season or two to be the, the best they can be. And so I think for me, when I'm looking at my, my draft, and specifically in our situation, a 10-team uh, rookie draft or a 12-team rookie draft that I'm also in. When you're looking at those drafts, like I think the best time to sell your picks postseason is the day of the draft. I think that you can have the conversations about potential trade packaging and you can be in, in communication with other people in your league. And I've done that. You know, I have the number one pick. I've got a couple seconds. Uh, and, and in my other league, I have two firsts. And I've been having these conversations. And, and I'll be honest with you, you know, I traded my 10th overall pick um, just two months ago in my other league. I traded a 10th overall pick for Marlon Mack and A.J. Green, and it did not benefit me after the draft. 
after the NFL draft, that does not benefit me. Before the draft, that looks like a decent trade. You know, the 10th overall rookie for Marlon Mack and A.J. Green, that sounds like a steal. But then the Bengals draft T. Higgins and and Marlon Mack now is maybe the second string running back in Indianapolis behind Jonathan Taylor. And so now I've traded the 10th overall pick for a backup running back and a receiver who's 30 years old. And so I think the best time to sell your picks is on draft day. I think most of your leagues that are doing rookie drafts, those, those are long enough slots for you to have a conversation with somebody to make a trade. And the reality is, is when you have a clock ticking, you're a little bit more apt to pull the trigger on stuff. And honestly, people are probably a little bit more apt to pull a trigger and, and lose out on value. And so I think that if you do your research, you can actually package together some tr trade options and some trade ideas with some you know, secondary filler in pieces and then send those trades in on draft day. And I think people will probably buy. When you're trading a pick, you talk about um, the best time to sell being on draft day. That's absolutely true. Um, you want to wait until, you know, if you're wanting to be strategic with these, these things, obviously if you're trying to fill some roster holes for yourself before making your high value picks, feel free to move around your third rounders, fourth rounders for like, depth guys who other guys are selling for unreasonably cheap prices like i had i had the chance to get like not saying marvin jones is anything spe spectacular but he's dirt cheap right now and yeah. seeing as the lions didn't go out and draft any wide receiver of consequence outside of quintez cephas who was a fifth rounder marvin jones is he's still cheap guys go you know if you are trying to contend and you need better depth go get a player like marvin jones who averages like nine touchdowns a year out of nowhere like you want that guy on your roster so that if your third your wide receiver three goes down you have somebody that you can at least plug in and you know have a reasonable shot of of getting points you know mm -hmm. um so you want you want guys like that who are low risk high reward you know right uh and another thing too is you know, like I was trying to say earlier, just a minute ago, you know, you're trying to sell these picks. Uh, you want the the guy on the other guy or gal on the other end of that trade to feel the pain of not getting the player that they're trying to get with your pick. You want them to feel that pain and and do something irrational, overpay. You know, you want them to get to that point where they're so desperate, they're not sure whether they should just give up entirely. Or, or overpay. And then Truthfully. you want to kind of coax them into overpaying, you know? Yeah, and if you I think know, it's okay. Yeah, and another thing too is if you know that a certain owner loves this prospect or loves this team that this prospect is on and you're in prime position for them uh, to take that player, like that's, that's ammunition for you. Like you go and say, hey man, are you interested in this? I know you're a fan of this prospect or i know you're a fan of this team um you know i'm a chiefs fan i would love you know i love having patrick mahomes and ty hill on my team you go and you and and you find someone like me and say hey you want Clyde edwards hilaire you want ceh yeah here's what i want from you you know if you want ceh if you're thinking about an offer put together why don't you put why don't you put something together for me and just kind of dangle it there in front of them Give them an incentive, you know, put a carrot out in front of them and see if they bite because hmm. some players will. Some players are like, man, the more I think about this, the more it makes sense. The more like 
the more fun fantasy football is for me when I can cheer on players of a team I actually like. Right. It's fun. Yeah. Especially when they're good when it's a good team. <laughs> yeah. Know? And a good player. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's just something I'd add add uh, for you. Um, for for me, uh, long term, I try to avoid trading my first rounders in in other years. I try to avoid trading my first rounders altogether. Yeah. Um, I know I traded a first rounder last year. Um, I I reacted and I traded for T.J. Hawkinson. I was weak. I had multiple multiple 2021sts. Um, I was weak at the position, and I wanted to try and solidify my future at the position, knowing that T.J. Hawkinson was probably going to take two or three years to break out. So that pick is still. I mean, that player is still on my bench. Uh, still waiting for him to come into maturity and be my tight end one here in the future. Um, I do regret that trade, uh, seeing who's available in the back end of the first round. I don't even remember which pick that was in the first round, but if it's a top seven pick, that means I just traded C.D. Lamb for T.J. Hawkinson, and I don't want to do that, yeah. which leads me to my next point, opportunity cost. Um, you know, you need to consider the opportunity cost of moving around when you're, when you're trying to trade picks, you know, um, especially before knowing landing spots. Um, we, we're obviously past that point now with the draft, but going forward, you know, say next year you're trading around and it's before the draft and it's like, you need, you need to realize you're taking a risk. Yeah. You, know, you don't know who's going to be at that spot. You're trying to trade up for what, you know, last year it was like, we had three running backs, uh, to take in the first round and the rest were wide receivers. And that's, yeah. that's typically an inefficiency that you don't want to, you don't want to have to have to put into your equation, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, this year it's a little more fool, foolproof because it's such a deep class. It really but we is. don't know if we don't know if this is going to be a good or bad class. They look great as prospects, but you know, great prospects can can crap the bed. <laughs> you know, great prospects can uh, come up bust. So and we um, probably can name thousands of those players, mm-hmm. yeah. honestly, that we were yeah. really banking on in fantasy, and they just haven't turned out. Mm-hmm. So um, opportunity cost of moving around um, before the season too. Like last year, I'll, I'll, I'll give you another one. Another example here. I traded, this was last year, not this year. I learned a lot from last year to this. I traded Mark Andrews and the number 10 pick to move up to the number six pick. That's rough. Yeah, yeah. And I like, I had a hunch about Mark Andrews, but I just couldn't justify it because they had three tight ends, one of which, you know, in that target competition there was Hayden Hurst, who was a first rounder, right. you know, yeah. which typically you're up against a first round, uh, first rounder at, at, in target competition. You're expecting that first rounder to eventually claim what's rightfully is. Right. You know, and it never happened because Mark Andrews is a superior player mm-hmm. to Hayden Hurst. Um, but you know, I had I had the hunch. I was looking at the at the right stats. I had the right process, uh, but I I went against my my belief about Mark Andrews, and I was desperate to get up into that top six. And I'm happy to report that I took AJ Brown with that with that number six pick. So so that really saved a lot of value for me. But Mark Andrews is a was a top three tight end last year, and I'm out here starting Austin Hooper who was tied in one for half the season, but after he got hurt, like, I had nobody. Yeah. Mark Andrews would have been great to have. Yeah. Great to have. And so, like, you just have to be careful. You just got to be careful. You got to consider that 
you, you can't be too arrogant. You can't be too cocky about what you know about players because you, you can say like, yeah, I believe this player is, is crap. So I'm going to try and deal him anyway. And then he turns out and he's good. Yeah. You're not a, you're not, you're not a pro scout guys. Like you're, you, you, you gotta account in your process. You gotta account for being wrong. So uh, that's, that's, that's my main point there. Um, so that, that kind of covers our last point too, about talking about the risks and benefits of trading players for, for rookie picks. Um, is that opportunity cost, you know, you can say, yeah, I want to trade, say this year, I want to trade Allen Robinson and try and get into the first round. Well, that's great, but Allen Robinson's probably going to be a top 12 wide receiver this year. Yeah. And, and maybe the best, best wide receiver out of this class this year or in the next, in the first two years will be a top 12 wide receiver. So what are you really trading? You're trading a, a, a wide receiver in his super prime with who has a quarterback who likes to target his wide receiver ones at a, a crazy rate in Nick Foles, yeah. you know, Allen Robinson is out, is in for a breakout year. I mean, he's had a breakout year. He's, he's in for a post ACL injury breakout year. Um, they've got nobody else there in Chicago to catch the, catch the ball. Unless so, you want to count like, their 10 tight ends. Yeah. Yeah. Literally they have 10 rostered tight ends. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. So like, you just gotta, you gotta think it through. Don't yeah. get so happy, just so prospect happy. Don't get so trade happy that you're not thinking things through. That's, true. That's the best, best advice that we can give you in terms of trading rookie picks. Uh, best time to sell rookie picks is whenever you know the most about, about what you want to be as a roster and who those players are, you know, you know, you can you know, go out and, and take J-Jaw with the number 11 pick like I did last year or number 14 pick, whichever it was. And, like, he just – he didn't pan out. I really wish I would have taken somebody like Terry McLaurin, who was right. still there, who was there into the fourth round. Like, oh, so my late. God. Yeah. Or DJ like, Chark. DJ Chark went yeah. in our rookie draft that year too. Mm-hmm. He was a third rounder. Yeah, because he wasn't owned. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like – and that's totally fair. You know, it's a ten-team league. Who's going to own DJ Chark after his first season in the league? Nobody. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah. So, there's a lot to consider. We just want to make sure you're considering all the things. Opportunity cost is the main term you need to remember. Opportunity cost, cost of acquisition. Thanks for listening to the In My League podcast tonight, you guys. Uh, we hope you had fun with us. Uh, we hope you learned how to pronounce player names. Uzoma. I still said it wrong. Harkinson. (laughs) Still said it wrong. It's okay. Um, Albert Ogabugawagam. Yes. We really appreciate you guys listening. Our Twitter handle, which is not at IML Fantasy, it's at IML Podcast. If you guys want to give us a follow, oh my gosh, I almost forgot, Josh and everyone listening. Oh, yeah. We are legit now. We are officially legit. Like that Bills fan is going to be so excited. We're actually legitimate now. We and what does that on. mean, Jordan? I'm about to tell you. God, tell me. I have to know. Chill out. I have Jeez. to know. Yeah, we're on Apple Podcasts. We are on the podcast app. No more Green Bean Podcasts. No more Podbean. Well, we're still on Podbean. It's just a hosting service. This is how it works. You've got to be on a hosting service before you can be on the podcast app. Now we are on the podcast app. For your listening convenience, it's a beautiful thing. 
You can listen to us at one and a half times speed if you want to. If you're tired of how slow I talk, it's okay. You can now speed us up. And it's there's great. two things we would absolutely love for you to do if you use yeah. Apple Podcasts as your podcasting service. Just subscribe to our episodes and then give us a rating and review. Now, if you're that Bills fan and you want to give us a one-star review that says, I'm a Bills fan and Bills fans are always right, do it. I don't care. Don't. You can if you want. I mean, I'm not, I'm not against uh, an honest review. But if, if you like our episodes and you're enjoying this show, subscribe to the show. Leave us a five-star review. Tell us what you love. And we will be really excited to see how many people subscribe to those episodes. Guys, thank you guys for listening to In My Lead Podcast. I'm Joshua, and this is Jordan. We're so happy you guys have listened to us, and we'd love to hear some feedback. So head out to the at IML Podcast Twitter page.